For many of us, this has been a bleak year. A global pandemic, recurring lockdowns, businesses closed, workers furloughed. But for some, this year has seen a spectacular boom. More people have become billionaires over the last 12 months than at any point in British history. We found 171 billionaires this year, up 24 on last year. Their collective wealth, just over £597 billion. The annual Sunday Times Rich List has identified a record-breaking 24 new billionaires this year. That's the biggest jump in the 33 years since the Sunday Times began tracking the fortunes of the UK's richest residents. But whilst some people have clearly flourished over the past year, is there cause for concern? Booms end in busts. And some of these valuations of these companies, some of this irrational exuberance just doesn't sit very well. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the Sunday Times Rich List, how the pandemic spawned more billionaires than ever. While most journalists leap from story to story, one man spends all year doggedly pursuing one issue. I'm Robert Watts. I'm the compiler of the Sunday Times Rich List. We last spoke last year. You you spend your entire year working on putting this epic list together. And it's clearly impinging on your social life too. So tell me about your recent outing with somebody who's featured on the list before. Yes, uh, Monday evening I met one of the rich listers in his, uh, near his office at Mayfair. And of course it would be Mayfair. It would be, wouldn't it? And <laughs> we, we went inside this beautiful polished hallway and he's got a rooftop a rooftop uh, garden and he had a bottle of wine in his hand. I said, come on, we're going up on the roof. And his attendant said, oh, this is absolutely bucketing it down out there. You can't go up there, you'll get soaked. So off we trundled to a bar. And as we walked along the along the pavements, he said, wow, what a year. And I said, yes, I when I started the rich list, I didn't expect for it to be such a such an extraordinary year, such a strong year. And he turned to me and said, yeah, I reckon I'm up 90 million at least. And then he turned and he said, yeah, it's an interesting year to put a rich list out. Interesting time to put a rich list out, isn't it? Do you know what? I think I felt a bit guilty. And that, I think, sort of... <laughs> we went on and we talked about quite a few things, and he, he said things like, you know, you know where it ends all this, don't you? And it doesn't end well. Booms don't end well. I think that does sum it up very well, that this is this is an extraordinary rich list this year. I mean, it's not the list we thought we'd have at all. We thought it would be pretty downbeat. We thought that many... Many people on the list would have had their fortunes hammered by the effect of a pandemic. But what we found is the opposite. What we found is record wealth, the biggest increase in the UK billionaires in the rich list's history. And Wow. Yes. You're surprised too. Yeah, well, um, when we spoke this time last year, you know, we were talking about the fact that the economy was closing down around us and people were being furloughed you know anyone in hospitality was everything was was shut down and there was you know there was a lot of fear about how much money people would be losing how has this turned into a boom 
It's extraordinary, isn't it? But when when you when you think about it for a few minutes, you can see how it's plausible that some people would do very well in a pandemic. So we've all known that Jeff Bezos's Amazon has done very well in the last year. And we've seen a similar thing with people on the rich list here in the UK. So the fortunes of the founders of Boohoo, the people who own ASOS, the entrepreneur who set up Farfetch, they've all done very well, partly because their high street competition closed. If you're a high street retailer for month after month of 2020, earlier this year, you had to shutter your shops. And so that provided a, a great opportunity for, for the likes of Boohoo, for the likes of the Hut Group, the likes of ASOS. And they had millions of customers who were actually in some ways had a bit more money in their pocket because perhaps they weren't paying to commute to their jobs. They weren't spending money in pubs, in, in, in restaurants. As you've explained, there, you know, there, there were a lot of businesses that were shut and therefore others profited. That means there have been corresponding losses too. Are there people who've been booted off the list and who've made, who've made real losses this year? Absolutely. I mean, in, in some ways, it looks a bit like a changing, changing of the guard, really. It's almost as if the pandemic hit the fast forward button on the decline of high street, big high street giants of the 20th century. In, certainly in the retail world, if you think of Sir Philip Green, his Arcadia empire crashed into administration in November last year. He's another faller. The Lewis family who own River Island, that's a business that's, that was struggling even before the pandemic to, to keep up with online rivals. In the time I've been doing The Rich List, I've only ever seen the wealth of London's great property dynasties, the, sort of the, the Duke of Westminster and the Grosvenor family, the Cadogans, the Howard de Wardens. I've only seen their wealth go one way and up and up and up as London property became more valuable. But all of them fall this year. The value of their estates have fallen. Why is that? Well, retail, again, is a part of that. A, a lot of those families own a good deal of London retail space. And because we're shopping less on the high street, the value of those retail properties fall. And now these families face this sort of quite interesting second hit, potentially, which is the move towards home and hybrid working will mean that their office assets as well, they fall too. So it's quite interesting. So a bit of retail, a bit of pain in property. And then there's some quite high profile names from the entertainment world who've had tough years with the West End shuttered for month after month after month. It's no surprise to, to see that uh, Cameron McIntosh and Lord Lloyd Webber have seen tough years. Mm. The pain for Lord Lloyd Webber pretty pronounced, really. He His businesses, he, he was required to take out not one, not two, but three mortgages on his London property to raise money to channel into his businesses during lockdown. So it's not, while the headline figures of this year's richness are very striking. They are very strong. They certainly are losers. You're absolutely right. So a tale of winners and losers. But in terms of the winners, this really is a boom year, isn't it? I mean, just give us a sense of how many new billionaires have been added to the list? 34 of new billionaires. The, that, the net rise is 24. And we're seeing fortunes made in really interesting ways. We've seen a particular trend of what they call these unicorns. I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase of 
Uh, a unicorn is any tech business which has a, a valuation of $1 billion or more. So these really are people who overnight, who've gone from, from nothing to becoming billionaires through, through a tech company. Exactly. We've got Johnny Bufarhat, who makes his debut as the youngest, our youngest self-made billionaire in this year's list. I know this is very depressing. Go on. How, how old is he? <laughs> this is like policemen. They get younger and younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's 26. Good. <laughs> Barely out of school uniform. <laughs> yeah, he turns 27 next month, if that makes you feel a little better. And he's become a billionaire through what? Through Hopin, that social networking site. Tell us about Hopin. He had the idea in 2018 for this social networking sort of events planning site. Had the idea in 2018, developed it in 2019, launched it in March 2020. And it, the timing for it could not have been better because it's built a user base of more than 5 million people. It's been invaluable for businesses for hosting um, events, bringing people together during the pandemic. And private equity investment valued his stake in the business. That's how these, these deals work is that they buy a slug of a business for uh, a certain sum and that puts a value on the business and it puts a value on Johnny Buffett at just over £1.4 billion. Now, he's not alone. There are many other of these unicorns. He's a particularly interesting one, very particularly young, but Alex Chesterman, another new entry for us. He did. He has got a good track record. He made money from that DVD rental service, a love film, you might remember that, and Azupla, the property platform. But his latest business, Kazoo, is basically it's a platform for selling secondhand cars online. And within six months of launching it at, 20, uh, at the end of 2019, it became another one of these unicorns with a £2 billion valuation. He makes his debut on the Sunday Times Rich List this year with a, a fortune put at £750 million. It took six months for that business to attract that $1 billion valuation. It is extraordinary. Just give us a sense of how much wealth is being concentrated in the Rich List this year. In the top, say, 100 or so people, how much wealth is held there compared to the rest of the country? The UK billionaires that we found this year, we found 171 billionaires this year, up 24 on last year. Their collective wealth, £597 billion, just over £597 billion. And that is up nearly 22% up on, on last year in a single year. That's incredible. I mean, it clearly is boom time in some circles. Now, a lot of people listening to this, you know, they will have thought of the last year as, you know, maybe a time of tightening belts, of being on furlough, of, of not having the same income as they had before. Mm. Does this sort of show us that social disparity, wealth disparity in this country has increased over the past year? I mean, this has to be one of the darkest periods in living memory, isn't it? I mean, this is a, a time where millions of us are, are still worrying about our livelihoods, where thousands of us have buried loved ones, where the national, the state of our public finances have deteriorated very sharply. It's an exceptionally hard time. And there was already, there was already a sense that the super rich were somehow immune to the challenges of life, um, the hardships of life. I suspect these figures will only sharpen those concerns. 
In the last year, there's been a, a commission calling for a, a wealth tax, and you can see how those sorts of arguments will gather traction. They'll, you know, if, if the rich have enjoyed a, a great windfall at this time, surely isn't isn't that an opportunity for governments to help rebuild the COVID-ravaged public finances with a contribution from these people? With the disparity between incomes widening in the UK, are the super-rich worried about the impact it could have on society? We'll have more in just a moment. But first, a little postcard from across the pond. Hello, I'm Laura Pullman, New York correspondent for The Sunday Times. It's thanks to you I get to cover all things this unbridled city has to conjure up. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Having heard about the extraordinary success of some of these businesses that are connected to COVID, it's hard not to wonder if this is just a bubble. Most businesses, when you're valuing them, when we're valuing them, and it's the methodology that goes back to 1989 when the first Sunday Times Rich List was produced, is we value a business on a multiple of their annual profits. So what does that mean? That means if a business is making a, an annual profit of 10 million, we'll times that by a certain number. And what should that number be? Well, generally speaking, people think in normal times, maybe eight to 12 times that profit is sensible. So a business that makes 10 million pounds a year could be worth 80 million pounds or, or 100 million pounds or 120 million pounds, something like that. And the multiple you choose is down to a range of factors. You could look at how long it's been going. You could look at how much debt there is in the business. You could look at similar companies that are listed on the stock market. That's what happens in normal times. But a lot of these unicorns, they don't make any profits at all. 
I haven't broken even yet. For somebody who has just become a billionaire, are they actually, I mean, is that money they have in their pocket? Are they going out and buying sports cars and, <laughs> and yachts or, or is this all sort of all on paper? Well, most of the money that you'll see in a rich list is on paper. It's money tied up in a business, but it's part of their wealth in the same way that their house is or their art is or, or their car is. But we have a, you know, we have this, this difficult dilemma when a private equity investor will come along and buy 10% of a business for a hundred million pounds. And it's then a one billion pound business. That's what its value is. So the entrepreneur who's left with the 90% of it, that stake is now worth £900 million. Now, what we think is quite difficult is that a lot of the particularly high figures that we're seeing this year, which private equity um, and other investors are, are attaching on, on these businesses, we're not sure how sustainable they are. Now, talk to the private equity people, what do they say? Well, they say, well, look, it's not just about profit. We're buying stakes in these businesses because they're young, exciting. They could be the next Google. They could be the next Facebook. We want to get in early before they start making profits. But we are concerned by some of the, you know, quite a few of these valuations, not all of them. There are, you know, there's some great young businesses on our young list that you can read about on the website. If I could pick two very quickly, Gymshark, the sort of leisure wear, athleisure it's called, brand, which Ben Francis founded with his friend Lewis Morgan in 2012, has done very well. Very, very profitable business. £30 million profit, I can see in its last, last accounts. This is Gymwear. Yeah, Gymwear. Really, really promoted brilliantly by very canny use of Instagram. And as we've got another even better, I think, in some ways, new entry, really exciting business, not as valuable yet, but started by a husband and wife couple, Dan and Melanie Marston, lounge underwear, their lingerie business. I mean, that certainly sounds very lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Promoted brilliantly again through Instagram. They've formed great relationships with influencers. Then he started it five, six years ago. It's a two hundred million pound business generating real profits already. Now those businesses I like. I see a profits there. It's that that <laughs> looks strong, sturdy. I am worried about some of these unicorns where there's no profits and yet investors are valuing those businesses at high numbers. So what about those businesses, the ones that have really thrived in the unique circumstances of lockdown? I mean, you mentioned the success of Hopin, a social networking site. I mean, what happens to them now that pubs have reopened? Is there as much demand? So look at Deliveroo. If I put together this year's rich list in February, William Shu, the founder of Deliveroo, probably would have made it, made it onto the list. Back then, Deliveroo was being talked up as a £9 billion business before it joined the stock market. Now it's listed, the share price is now a four and a half billion pound business. Still not bad for, uh, <laughs> I think we'd, we'd both be happy with with that, wouldn't we? But well, <laughs> the value of the business has fallen and it's fallen partly because the company has warned on its sales falling as Britain and its other markets end lockdowns. Yeah. I mean, this is perhaps one of the most unsettling businesses. There's another business which is also similar to Deliveroo's demise, which has been in the press for a slightly different reason, which is Greensill, Greensill Capital, that, yes. that business lending company, which the Sunday Times has done such good reporting on investigating others too. But I think John Collingridge at the Sunday Times has, has done uh, terrific work on this. That business 
when we started work on this year's rich list, that had unicorn status. It had had investment really? which valued it at enough to get Mr. Greensill on the Sunday Times rich list this year. And, of course, it fell into administration in March. Um, the business collapsed. Yeah. Uh, put it this way, there's no place for Mr. Greensill on the, on the Sunday Times rich list this year. That's the thing is that, you know, some of these multi-billion pound valuations do make us wary. It's an unsettling boom, this one, not just for the timing of it. It's unsettling, too, because some of these businesses, they attract huge valuations at the moment, but they do feel as if some of them could, those valuations could disappear very quickly. Is this just, this year is just a, a, a huge anomaly? You know, will, will things go back to something like normal next year, do you think? Or is this sort of a, a new, the new world? It's so interesting, isn't it? We don't know is, is the truth. Someone asked me the other day about Bitcoin. And if you talk to people on the rich list, they're pretty sceptical. I asked five billionaires about Bitcoin. Are they? Very much so. Those five billionaires I talked to asked specifically about Bitcoin. They spat back words at me ranging from scam wouldn't trust it. The biggest Ponzi scheme in history. And someone asked me, you know, when do you think Bitcoin will collapse recently? And I, I said, well, I think it's very, very similar to, to this boom. We don't really know. If you look at the 1920s boom, that ran for, ran for a good few years. And in some ways, there are reasons to be quite optimistic about the state of the economy at the moment. In some ways, you can say, well, interest rates are looking low, looking like they, they may rise a little bit, but they're still going to stay pretty low. Governments are sort of stepping behind the currency and, and, and keeping that stable. You know, there's a lot of pent-up demand in the economy. The savings rate increased quite quite substantially over the uh, during the pandemic, so there are people with money to spend. But the reality is, we don't really know. It's Bitcoin uh, <laughs> collapsed earlier; the price collapsed over the past week for a bit. Maybe it will recover a bit. And in a similar way, we may have some jittery days ahead. But going back to the, the guy I mentioned right at the top of the conversation, that chap wandering around the pavements of Mayfair. He said to me, he looked me in the eye and said on Monday night, you do know how this ends, Robert, don't you? It's not well. It's not well. What do you think he meant by that? I think he meant that booms end in busts. And some of these valuations of these companies, some of this irrational exuberance just doesn't sit very well. But it could, as I say, with the 20s boom, it could run for a while. It's really interesting that he also said he felt guilty about the hmm. amount of money he'd made during this period. Do you think that's another reason for him to worry about how this ends? I mean, the disparity between the rich and poor in this country. Are the rich worried about that? Yes, I do pick that up. I think that was very much his view that putting it out a rich list this time with these numbers, which he didn't dispute for a moment, but he felt it would see that. I mean... We, we do have an unease. We've always had, certainly since I've been compiling the rich list, I have noticed this uneasy relationship and an acknowledgement from the people on the list that they don't like the scrutiny and the attention because they think there is a, some of them view it as an attitude of jealousy towards what they've achieved, what they've done, what they've built. But others, yes, there is a palpable sense, particularly those who've, it seems to me, those who've come from very humble backgrounds, that they feel that the gap between where they started their life and where they are now, they, they do feel a bit of vertigo, which I think 
partly explains the philanthropy that we're seeing, partly explains why they're often very keen to direct me towards how much tax they've paid, how many people they employ. A lot of people in the rich list aren't as quite as comfortable with status, with their success as you might think they would be. So just finally, the man you had a drink with the other night, mm. he said he felt, felt guilty about having made 90 million over the course of last year, you know, middle of the pandemic. Yet despite that success, which I think most of us would sort of think was <laughs> a hell of a lot of money, he hasn't actually made it onto the list. You're absolutely right. Yes, a rich list regular for many years. We, partly because we've decided to focus on the top end this year. So rather than our usual th- thousand, we've decided to do 250. But yes, to get on the Sunday Times rich list this year, you would have needed wealth of £613 million. Pounds. Wow. And I think if we continue to focus at this end of the list, and I think we will in, in time become a largely billionaire's list, which yeah, will be very interesting. Britain is a great sort of generator of wealth, but I think this is also partly a story of the UK being a magnet to the world's super rich. There are lots of mm. lots of these people who want to come live here, who want to live in London properties, who want to buy a great English estate with a bit of a history, who want to educate their children at our private schools, who enjoy the arts scene, who want to go to Lord's Cricket Ground in the summer. It has an appeal, but uh, I think there'll be... We know that a lot of our readers are also interested that, yes, these people can come here, but what are they contributing when they're here? Are they paying taxes? Are they creating jobs? You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, compiler of The Sunday Times Rich List, Rob Watts. The producer and executive producer today was Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Tom Birchall. If there's a story that you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do get in touch. Send us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.